Here, boy. Here, doggy. Oh, where has my little dog gone? No, you lost your doggy? Yeah. I saw him playing in the water, and then he was gone. He had a bright red leash with bells on it. Oh, I'm sure he's around here somewhere. Oh, dear Lord. He's the bestest dog ever. He's light brown, and he has a spot on him shaped like a heart. Sorry, son, but... I just gotta get him back. Or, if not him, a similar dog. Dog for sale! Dog for sale! <coughs> How much for the dog? Oh, he's not for sale. <laughs> Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode CABF03. It is the Great Money Caper. I am Dando. I am Guy. And yes, money, 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 money. Money. Uh, <laughs> how you doing, sir? <clears throat> oh, again, um, um, clearing my throat aside. Not too bad. I'm, um, yeah, holding it together all right. But more importantly, how are you feeling? Yeah, well, we just discussed off air that I've got a... Somewhat of a head cold. I'm trying to complain too much because Nicola's struggling with the uh, the pregnancy and everything. So it's like man flu, no comparison to actual 37 <laughs> weeks pregnant. Oh. So. <laughs> oh dear, house of many conditions over at Dando's place. Yes, because <laughs> Nicola's not far off um, ushering Dando weeks. 3.0 into the world. How, how long? Two or three weeks. Holy moly. Okay. <laughs> it sort of snuck up on me because you see the thing is I haven't been allowed to go to any of the appointments yet. Because of the COVID scenario, so oh, of course, yeah. It's sort of not that it's not real to me yet, but it's just a case of I haven't seen her. So I guess what well, you guess you could say that it doesn't hasn't quite sunk in yet. And in a couple of weeks, I'm just going to be holding a baby girl. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's it's marvelous news. So uh, yes, but there's no griping about a head cold when um, yes, you are indeed about 14 days away from <clears throat> ushering a another new life into the world. So. Okay, but we'll we'll power through and we'll try to deliver uh, some good stuff to our listeners out there. Yes, we certainly will. So, The Great Money Caper, this was an episode I was actually really looking forward to reviewing because uh, a lot of people said a lot of good things about it, um, comparing it to last week, because last week was just, the last act was just a schmozzle. I was really, really, really liking this episode all the way up to the final 90 seconds or so. Um, it was like... I don't know what it is about season 12, but it's, it's dawned on me as I flick through the episodes that are in season 12 that it's become apparent that this must have been the time when I stopped watching the show religiously, where I, I had to watch it every single week because there's a, a few episodes here and there. For example, next week's episode, Skinner's Sense of Snow, I didn't see that for the first time until several years ago. I just it completely just, okay. I just missed it. just don't know how, I just missed it. And I can now understand after watching this episode why it might have been this way because at the end of this I was I always felt like I'd been cheated I wasn't angry I was left with the feeling though of well why do I bother then you know when you're willing to come out but, but, but this is what this is what I said at the time to, I said this to myself they have Lisa say it's almost like this ending insulting your intelligence and in my and in my land room I just said to myself then why don't you fucking fix this then? Like, <laughs> yes. if, if, if you can, if you are able to acknowledge, write it into the script and have a someone who you're paying to voice the character say that this is insulting your your audience's intelligence, why not fix it then? 
it kind of reeks of arrogance and laziness, doesn't it? That's it that's really the- does. It's and and I've read that the showrunners even said, and I think it's during the commentary, but they've even said that they just couldn't think of an ending for the episode. It's like, what do you mean he couldn't then, think yeah, of an then ending? Then go then go back and retool from the jump. Yeah, I mean, if you've got stru- if you've got structural problems that you can't fix by the end, uh, yeah, then you need to go back and you need to start. <laughs> yeah, you need to um, you need to fix this from the beginning, or you need fir- to do some serious thinking. Yeah, about it. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's very very disappointing. I mean, we, we've seen a failure to stick the landing in a few episodes now, and they're sort of pulling the same trick over and over again, where it's. Um, you know, we'll get to a point, get to a point, and no, we can't be bothered. Or yeah, I don't, I don't uh, get it. It's it's such a it's such a trend now, particularly this season. The first couple of episodes were fucking great, but the last three or four episodes have just been. All right, we've got a good story here. It's going well. It's it's consistent. It's funny. There's a lot of gags, and it's home time. So whatever, let's just go home. Yeah. Now, I was doing a bit of reading on this. Uh, by which I mean, I visited the Wikipedia page, but yeah. apparently George Meyer, who's you know incredibly well regarded not only in the Simpsons writing room and the sort of the Simpsons production stuff, but in the comedy community in general, is the one who sort of um, who pitched this ending or pitched. I don't know if he pitched the whole ending, as in, hey, this is all a scam to teach you about the you know the perils of grifting or whatever, or whether he just sort of put the cap on the variants like. We don't know how to wrap it up completely. And George Meyer said, I don't know, let's have him go surfing. Now, if you're someone who's got a good reputation and someone with comic skills, I imagine in the room that might have worked. I mean, you could probably say, hey, let's just pull the rug from under them and just, you know, bring back all the characters and have them, hey, surf's up, whatever. And, you know, it'll be kind of a, oh, what, what? You know, like it'll be such a wacky prank that audiences would just be, Oh, wow, didn't see that coming. But, yeah, I think they've done this too many times. That's the problem. This is, it's one too many times now. This was the one where it wasn't funny anymore. The, the fact that you're now pointing it out and just admitting we don't, you know, it's almost like they're saying we don't respect you anymore, so this is what you're going to yeah. have to just, de- so just deal with it. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. I've invested my time. To, uh, a lot of people, I, I, I can imagine, because there was never a point in my life where I went, I don't like The Simpsons anymore, but I can I can just really imagine myself watching this and going, ah, oh, well, fuck you guys, you know, like I, I yeah, don't know. I, don't- I feel like this episode would have really left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths because it was really funny up until the point where it came to the court case and then just fucking again fell off a cliff. Well, for mine, I mean, I think you thought it was funnier than I did. I mean, I thought this was a, a perfectly okay episode with one or two good bits and good work by the guest star who we'll talk about in a little while but I mean uh, I don't know there weren't enough there wasn't enough substance to it either in the story or in the gags or in the humour to warrant okay okay we've made it this far we've made it 95 metres into this 100 metre sprint and now we're going to fall over and land flat on our face and yeah, and not get up and you'll be you'll be satisfied that we actually made it 95% of the way I don't know. I'm I'm not buying that. I'm not satisfied with it. So okay. uh, yeah, for for them to have that kind of ending, which is <laughs> the, the what I kept thinking of was the end of Caddyshack, like the mm. very end of Caddyshack, where Rodney Dangerfield just sort of says, "Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid." Yeah, and it's like 
that's that's kind of a it's a non sequitur, but it's it it kind of works because everything in Caddyshack has worked up until that point. Um, and I get the feeling I may be completely wrong here, but that's what the Simpsons crew think they're doing with a surfs up kind of gag. They're like. It's not really related to anything else, but, you know, you've liked what we've done so far, so, hey, you know, let's just trade on our goodwill. It's like, yeah, there's only so many times you can do that before I, with <laughs> all due respect to the Grand of Simpsons, tell you to go fuck yourself. This was the first the first time doing this podcast where I sat there and went, ah, oh, okay, this this isn't good. You know, I mean, we've had, we've had bad episodes that... I always go back to Hello Gutter, Hello Fatter, where it was unrealistic having Maggie saving Homer. But this one yeah. just felt to me like the writers went out of their way to spit in my face, and I did not appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the, the Pygmalion episode where they've sort of... Yes, that where, worked. Yeah, where it worked. Because, as I said, they'd built up enough goodwill with a, a strong story and really good gags, and it's like... Uh, look, we've got to, we've got to, you know, turn the clock back to zero at the end of this. I mean, Mo has to be Mo again. Uh, how are we going to do that? Uh, we can't really work. You know, we've got to do too much sort of um, too much bending and stretching to, you know, come up with a logical way of doing it. So let's just, you know, be frivolous. And I don't know. I mean, I think it would be difficult for anyone, you know, the best writers in the world, to sort of come up with a way of doing it. So. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with you taking the piss a little bit. So see, that that, that was one want- of the first that was one of the first times they really did that. But the thing is, with yeah. that episode, it's a case of anyone who watches The Simpsons knows it has to go back to normal by the end of the episode. But but 95 percent mm. of the time, things have to go back to the norm, right? So you're willing yeah. to accept. Well, we need mode to be normal again, so whatever. But when you're acknowledging that you've put together a story that you actually have no end for, that's just bad. It is bad. Yeah, but. Even with this episode, it felt like it sort of felt that way even before that. Even with um, you know, ever in the courtroom revealing, hey, guess what? We're all pu- we're all pulling a long con on you, Homer and Bart. You know, to show you the perils of of, of being a grifter. Yeah, it's like I kind of like this gag, but I I can't remember. I think Arrest Development came after this as opposed to before this. But yeah, feel, yeah, this feels like. You've seen Arrested Development, right? You know the mm-hmm. Jay Walter Weatherman scams, like, yeah, yeah. and that's why you, that's why you don't do this. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, this feels like a either a riff on that or a version of that. Except, you know, Arrested Development was wise enough to make it like a little bit a little bitty gag, not the premise of a whole story. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. This- well, see, I actually, but I actually was enjoying this episode up to up to the point when uh, Devin Bradley, played by Edward Norton. Steals their car when they're in the prison cell, right? Up to that point, yeah. I thought, you know what? This this story is it's grounded. It's a simple story. Homer and Bart trying to pull pranks on people. There are a couple of moments where I sort of went, "Oh, they're really not putting painting Homer in a positive light here." But still, that yeah. aside, I thought the story worked. And then it's just like, okay, it's, you, you could really, you can like, it's like you can see the moment when they ripped the script in half. Like you can just see the moment where they just went, mm. "Now what?" Yeah, it just, it feels messy. It sort of feels like it was reassembled on the fly as well. I mean, again, more of that reading uh, from this episode's Wikipedia page talks about how um, the writer, Carolyn Omine or Omine or... Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not 
but my apologies if I've mispronounced and completely butchered your yeah. name. Um, I think initially wrote this script, or this script was initially sort of devised around um, pool hustling. Yeah, snooker. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And I mean, how it sort of got transmuted into this con artist thing, I'm not sure, but it feels like watching it, it feels like uh, you had sort of bits and pieces of the original, but otherwise it's like, well, let's just watch a whole bunch of con movies and see if we can, which I believe they actually did in the writer's room. They sort of, they name check a few. And it's like, okay, let's just pinch bits and pieces out of these and we'll try to assemble, a, you know, a, uh, it's hard to describe what they've thought, what what they've assembled here. It's a bit of a Frankenstein's monster of uh, of con stories and Simpsons yeah. gags, and and it's uh, yeah, bits that, the bits that work work fine, uh, but mostly it's just kind of feels now this was ill conceived or not properly thought through. Hey, my favorite! I did get a chuckle out of the Michael Jackson gag. As did I, and <laughs> although I've got a, something I wrote down watching this, like Michael Jackson giving kids money these days feels a bit sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of, oh, and I really did, there were a couple of moments where watching it, to me, felt like more classic era Simpsons. So when Bart and Homer were um, painting or covering the, the, um, the pillow and icing and Marge walks in, and, it, and it, he's like, I was going to ask you the same question. She's like, should I just back out? Would you? <laughs> That's one that I wrote down. As, I mean, I, yeah, I like it. I've said in the past, I like it when Homer sort of gets, he sort of takes the moral high ground. Yeah. When he's, it's completely unwarranted. <laughs> I could ask you the very same question. <laughs> I mean, so that's one that I actually did write down as one of my favorites. I've got three favorites here and they're not even huge bits they're more like just lines yeah i think when when they're at the magic castle or whatever and uh, marge is part of that four guillotine uh, magic trick or whatever yeah. and then the monkeys come out and homer just says so she was made of chimps yes <laughs> how funny was that like so this is what i mean there was a lot of laughs for me in the first you know two thirds of this once again the first couple of um acts of this episode like that the first five minutes, when he when he says that line, so she was made of chimps. I fucking <laughs> was laughing so much. I think that's why I was so disappointed at the end because I was like, I was really enjoying this, and you fucked it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've got to say, I'm all. It's never the same character, but I always like it, and I'm pretty sure it's Hank Azaro doing it. Um, it's the mechanic this time around. He's like. Ooh, yeah, that's going to cost you about uh, six thousand dollars. So I, mean, yeah. I just like that. I like that voice. The, 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 he's called Wise Guy. The Wise Guy. The Wise Guy. Yeah, I like the Wise Guy. I like when yeah. he shows up in any guise or any um, any profession or whatever. And the fact that he was a mechanic this time around, I, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I and look, I liked Edward Norton a lot. I mean, I'm inclined to like Edward Norton. I think he's you know one of the best actors working. And when um, when well, I recognised his voice when he showed up, but I'd forgotten that he was in this episode. But I'd always remembered his sort of last bit when he rocks up in the court and announces himself, I'm a triple threat. You know, yeah. I, I like <laughs> Yeah. Norton put a nice bit of a nice bit of spin on that. So I think they're they're my favourite bits and they're they're few and far between and they're small, but you know, you take what you can get. Also, the guitarist from The Doors had a scene in this. Um, Robbie, is it pronounced Krieger? Krieger? Robbie Krieger, yeah. Krieger from The Doors, but they they deleted his scene. So, basically, the reason that he was allowed to come on the show and do that role was because The Doors, or he allowed 
the Simpsons to use Homer singing, this is the end, in Hallie Gutter, Hallie Fatter, right? So that was his end of the deal. They let him come to the show and they delete his scene. That's bad karma, man. Yeah, he only agrees that they can have the, sh- the, the song on the show if he's allowed to come on and be a guest. They get him in, record his lines and then delete it. <laughs> oh, God. One can only hope they made him a director's cut, burned it to a disc and sent it to him and he will like show it to folks when they come around to his house like, I know I didn't make the, t- the cut on TV, folks, but check it out. I'm on The Simpsons. I'm pretty sure his scene is on the, um, on the DVD set as a deleted scene. So you can find oh, it that okay, way. Cool. Yeah. Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right, trivia for this week. I'm going to kick off Mr. Davis, if that is okay with you. Go right ahead. I've got exactly five questions. So. All righty. I've got several here. My first one is, what was uh, what was the food that was listed on the uh, on the sign as they arrived at the Magic Palace? Oh, and of course, I took that opportunity to look away from the screen for a moment. Um, you're going unless, to have to of course, me unless, of course, this was the name of the magician. I'm not too sure, but it's the, it's the name of a food. Hmm. No, I'm out. It's the Great Linguini. Oh, <laughs> um, my, my favourite character, the wise guy mechanic. Um, how much is he going to charge to fix the Simpsons car? Sixty-five hundred, and then three fifty. Is that right? Yeah, I don't know about the three fifty. <laughs> yeah, I really like the way he was looking at the fish and then goes, "Yeah, it's a problem." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love the wise guy. Uh, Homer takes the keys away from the uh, what are they called the. Um, the ones that park in cars. The valet, sorry. I was going to say busboy. It's not a busboy. Yeah, the valet, sorry. Uh, he yeah, takes busboys a, clear your table. Yes, yes. He takes a particular uh, keychain off. What animal is the keychain? It's an octopus. It's my octopus teacher. Octopus, yeah. That's Elliot's favourite word to say. I have to get him to say it on the... Um, I'll get him to rec- record himself saying it and I'll play it on next week's show. He goes, octopus. Actually, I'll put it at the end. <laughs> Maybe that could be the final words for this week. What do you reckon? We'll have Elliot saying octopus. I think so, yes. Give me a break for a week. Yes, yes. So I'll say, Ali, any final words and you'll hear, octopus, it's the most cutest thing you'll ever hear. So stay tuned for that, people. <laughs> All right. By the way, sorry, I'm, I'm, I know we're talking about The Simpsons here and I shouldn't be throwing in shout outs to other shows, but That's I right. watched My Octopus Teacher on Netflix. Um, it is absolutely delightful and wonderful. It's a documentary about this guy. He's, um, I think he's in South Africa or he's somewhere on the, Af- on the coast somewhere in Africa. Uh, and he's like a uh, nature photographer and document uh, documentary filmmaker. He's having a bit of a sort of midlife crisis slash burnout. He goes out um, swimming in the uh, ocean near his house and he sees this little octopus. And the octopus is, you know, he's sort of taken with it for some reason. And he gets more and more curious and he keeps going back to visit it every day. And the octopus becomes sort of his friend, essentially. And, um, you know, he does more and more research about octopi and how smart they are and all this kind of business and yeah he sort of regains a bit of his you know uh, joie de vivre a bit of his you know, love for life as a result and it's first of all it is incredibly filmed i mean if you've got a high definition tv you will just be absolutely blown away but um just yeah the story of this octopus that uh, turns out to be you know rather smart rather um yeah, clever in avoiding predators like sharks and all that kind of business, um, and the the relationship that it builds with this dude who, yeah, it's it's I know it's incredibly touching and just really really nice. I mean, it, does does it have a garden? <laughs> well, that's the thing. There, he's in like a kelp forest. So I mean, I've never been much of a deep sea 
diver kind of guy, but I mean, this is again, this is so incredibly filmed that you're looking at it. it he's, he's basically is in a garden. Uh, no, hmm. it's uh, yeah, just a, a really lovely thing and something that I highly recommend. So okay. yeah, my octopus teacher on Netflix. So, so if you're feeling bad after watching this episode, go watch My Octopus's Teacher and you'll feel much better. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I was watching it with the lovely Louise and um, said to her, all right, this is one of the few times you're probably going to see me, you know, get a bit weepy in your presence because it's just, it's just really lovely. <laughs> That's good. I can't have to check it out tonight. Yeah, good. <laughs> Having said that, her, um, her young son Felix was basically talking back to the TV all the time saying, this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> so, so your mileage may vary. <laughs> all right, what's your next question, sir? Uh, my next question. Can you name two grifts from uh, A Child's Garden of Cons? Oh. Bart names four. Does he really? I know he names something mm-hmm. about ham. Mm-hmm. Nah, close. Nah, I'm gone. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a con artist, or am I? Uh, that's No. <laughs> I was going to say but, something about the you've been running you've been running this uh, episode this podcast for more than a hundred episodes. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good scam. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got no idea what are the titles. What are they? Um, they are they include the pigeon drop, the ear wigger, the Brillstein grab, and the Albany ham scam. That's the one, the Albany ham. Yeah, okay. Um, mm. I did like the reveal that Grandpa wrote that book that you don't find out till later. <laughs> I did like that as well. What type of fish fell on the Simpsons car? We're doubling up with this one. Uh, let's say it together. One, two, three. Sturgeon. <laughs> I don't know what a sturgeon is, but it looks kind of like a swordfish. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't think I've ever eaten sturgeon. So yeah. I-, I didn't really get a huge laugh out of the fact that it fell from the Russian space station, but Nicola thought that was hilarious, which I felt, thought was interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, to yeah. each their own. Yeah. Because I was like, fell from the Russian space station? What? Why? Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. Nicola, Nicola was laughing. She thought it was hilarious. I was like, okay. <laughs> Guess what? Okay. Okay. Maybe I'm just not in the demo anymore. <laughs> you and Nicola aren't so different. No, but I, yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Anyway, my next. Oh, well, yeah, I'll go my next question because I stole one of yours. Mm-hmm. What was the first thing Homer bought with his grift money? Oh, they were in every pool room in the late '90s, early 2000s. Oh, it. it what, well, they didn't name it as Big Mouth Billy Bass, but he said a singing fish, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a little song I wrote. Why did we love it oh. so much? <laughs> well, speak for yourself. I did not love the Big Mouth Billy Bass. Oh, you didn't. Oh man, we had one. I, and it was like one of the. It was one of those things where Dad walked in with the singing fish, and I instantly felt cooler as a result. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. I was like, "Yes, I'm part of the fad." <laughs> oh, you're in with the in crowd, or in with the thin crowd. Oh, nice one. Anyway, well played. <laughs> Well played, man. Um, okay, as I mentioned, Devon Bradley or Devon Bradley um, is a triple threat. What are the three skills that make up his triple threat? Dancer. Mm-hmm. Dancer, singer. Yeah. Choreographer. No, that's dancing. Um, I don't know. What is it? He's a character actor. Character actor. I knew, I, see, I, I knew it was a C. Damn it. Um, yeah, but very, yeah, very you're close. right. Though. Edward Norton was was great. You you wouldn't know it was Edward Norton, would you? No, no. I mean, he doesn't have a super distinctive voice, but um, apparently he was really, really good at Simpsons impressions. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, he was a big fan of the show, and they let him know that he yeah. could do some impersonation. I'm surprised they didn't. Um, they didn't get him to try do one of those gags where he voices another character. They've done that a few times yeah. in recent seasons. Yeah. Speaking of um, speaking of different voices, I would like to discuss at the end of this episode. Have you watched the season 32 premiere yet? 
I have not. So we might take a little break. Yeah. Not so right now, but yeah, when yeah, no, I'll no. I'll go and find episode. Yeah, because I've I've heard you mention that. Uh, yeah, some of the uh, voice actors have got a bit of wear and tear on the old vocal cords. It seems. Yeah, yeah. So what what we'll do is after this after we record tonight, you go away and watch it, and you record it at some other point during the week, and we'll just throw it at the end there. So basically, I like to discuss. I watched the season thirty two premiere. I want to discuss the, the new voice of Carl. Oh, his name escapes me. He was from Becker. What was his name? Alex Desert. Alex Desert. Yeah. Alex yes, Desert. yes. Although I've, I think he's got an accent on one of his letters in his surname, so it may be Alex Desay or something along okay. those lines. Okay, yeah. Um, the blind. But I remember from him from uh, the movie Swingers. Yeah. So he's in. He's in this new episode, is he? He is. Yeah, and it's also got David. Stranger Things. Name escapes me again. David. David. David Harbour. David Harbour, yes, Harbour. David Harbour, uh, voicing uh, a character on this as well on the episode. But what I wanted to discuss was the one thing that took me out of the moment was Marge's voice, Julie Kavner. Mm. Oh, boy. Okay, I've got some things to say about that, but just wait to the end of the episode and we'll, um, we'll give our thoughts on, on the premiere. Are we out of questions? I've, I've actually got one more question. Are you out of so questions? So do I. <laughs> okay, no, well, I've got you, one you, more. You, you ask yours first and then we'll wrap this up and we'll get into the new names. No worries. Grandpa's uh, retirement home scam is lifted from which movie? The Sting Part 2. Nobody saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently true. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen it, and I'd like to think I've seen a fair bit of stuff. But even as a kid, I mean, I think, I think it came out when I was like a, a youngish kid, like maybe 12 or 13 or so. And I'd seen The Sting and really dug it. I think I saw it with my dad. My dad really loved it, and subsequently I really loved it because I could see how much dad liked it. And then... Sting 2 comes out and it doesn't have Paul Newman, Robert Redford or anyone, any of the, you know, the stars in it. It's got the main people, yes. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have the people you would go see the Sting for. It's got the Sting name and that's it. And I remember just looking at the poster going, yeah, this looks unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a lot when people looked at the um, the poster for Grease 2. They're like, that's not John DeVolta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, sure, it had Michelle Pfeiffer, but she wasn't Michelle Pfeiffer yet. My final question is... What was the badge of Devon Bradley actually from? What did it actually say? It wasn't FBI. Oh, no. He was part of the Colgate Cavity Patrol, wasn't it? Well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> Full points to Mr. Davis. Well, that is trivia for this week. It is now time to head into some new names. From this day forward, your names will be... Okay, before we get into today's new names, we need to read out our beloved $20 patrons. We've got Jordan, Moleman, Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer. Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, Sean Devey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Belson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James Bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, Nicole Catalina Mixer, and George McManamy. Thank you so much, guys, for your support. Also, shout-outs to our new $5 plus patrons, Sam Fox, Kenneth Rice, Benjamin Cathcart, and Charlie Liu. You guys are all champions. Now, Mr. Davis, the current leaderboard stands at this. In third position, we have a four-way tie. Four-way tie. Ooh. All on two points. We have Neil Parks, Ian Gordon, Steve Roberts, and Dave Abbott-Smith. In second position, we have a three-way tie, all on three points. We have Jasper Bruce, 
Alistair Danik and Nicole Catalina. Now, what's her? I'll, I'll let you say the name, Mr. Davis. What is her That's new the, name? That is Nicole Catalina Wine Mixer to you. That that is correct. Yes. <laughs> and in, in first position, tied on six points, we have D.L. Gorman and Garode Harrahill. All right, Mr. Davis, let's hit me with some new names for the Great Money Keeper. Look. A lot of honourable mentions this time around before we get uh, uh, three to one. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of variations on grift and scam this time around, um, such as Steve Roberts, you know, the grift that keeps on grifting. Yep. Uh, what else have we got here? Shannon Dowdle. I hope I'm, mis- I hope I'm pronouncing your uh, surname correctly, Shannon. Uh, love grift us up where we belong. <laughs> Gilroy Tarahill, uh, the wrath of Con. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, that's really good. Well done. Yeah. Uh, Alistair Danik, uh, you know, uh, gave a bit of. Well, he departed from the norm with the magnificent Devon. I thought mm-hmm. that wasn't bad, although he he may have pronounced it as Devon. So, done about one hundred percent. we say we say Devon here. Even we do, he says Devon. We, yeah. we, De- Devon is the uh, the cheapest meat in the deli. <laughs> <laughs> um, the aforementioned Shannon Dowdle also had played against scam, which I liked. Um, Gear also had Mr. Harrahill also had Roos Brothers 2000. That's yeah, not bad. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Particularly the yeah. fact that it was in the year 2000. Well played. <laughs> that is good. Yeah. That, that, but we, we expect good stuff from Gear. Um, Keith Nettam had New Carjack Willie, a uh, bit mm-hmm. of a play on New Jack City. Pretty good. And George McMenemy. It's a tongue twister, that one, isn't it? George McMenemy. <laughs> My own worst McMenemy. McMenemy. Um, I can't say it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With the Grifty and Snatchy show. Oh, pretty good. Yeah. That is that is quite nice. Quite nice. Um, and uh, Deal Gorman gave, me a, gave us a couple as well, which I really quite liked. Scamilton, a uh, Springfieldian musical, a play on mm. Hamilton, of course. And Catch Me If You Con. Nice work by Deal. That's man. really good. Yeah. Well, yeah. oh, that's, that, man, if they are the honourable managers, I'm looking forward to what actually won. Well, you know, you may view things differently, Dando, and by all means, if you do, let me know. But um, Oh, I will. Oh, oh, will you? Oh, shit. I mean, I, was just, <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to actually, you know, come back with anything. <laughs> uh, one point. We've split it. There's two Ooh. people get one vote, uh, get one point each. Because it's essentially the same gag, but I read like the first version. For, well, I read the first version first and thought that's pretty good, like that. And then someone, you know, a few, uh, you know, a little while later, did made the same gag, but with a bit of an add-on that works. Tweaked thought, it, yeah, okay, yeah. Look, it would be. Hmm. I, th- I thought it'd be unfair to um, give it to the person who built onto the extra. So yeah, I think they're going to get one point each. I think I think that's fair. Do you think that's fair? Hundred percent fair. I'm more for giving points to everybody. Okay. Participation <laughs> awards. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, but uh, one point goes to uh, Nicole Catalina Wine Mixer. Ooh, Nicole Catalina. For, she's now. Yeah. She's now outright second position on four points. What has she got? Okay. It's exit through the grift shop. Um, there was a movie called Exit Through the Gift Shop, which was a bit of documentary about the pop artist uh, the. You know the wacky prankster Banksy. But this works on a, this works on a number of levels. It does indeed. But then our pal, now I hope I've, have I written this correctly? James Booth. James Booth. Um, okay. Yep. A little way down the line, gave us exit through the grift shop uh, edition. 
<laughs> so not only, did he, not only did he add to it, he added the word addition. <laughs> he did. So <laughs> it's the same gag, but to to use one of my favorite sim to one of my favorite Homer gags ever, it's like eh, you just take things, something that actually exists and then put a clock in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People oh, are no, afraid that- of new things. <laughs> That has been my creative philosophy for goodness knows how long. Just take an existing thing and put a clock in it. Put a, <laughs> put a clock in it or something. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, you know, so yeah. The, 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 we could actually take that theory and apply it to this show because you would not believe how many people wrote in this week to the mailbag asking if we would ever consider, and on Twitter, asking if we would ever consider just going back to the start and having you review all the episodes. It's like oh, good God. everyone's like, once you hit like season 15 and the episodes become really shit, can we just go back to the start? I want to hear Guy's opinion on all these classic episodes. And I'm like, maybe? We, <laughs> we, we, yeah, we might? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who got two points? Two points is Ian Gordon. Ian Gordon. Uh, oh. with, with Swindler's Grift. Now that's, that's great. Yeah, you you know that I'm a sucker for puns on existing titles, uh, and that's a that's a really good uh, play on Schindler's List, and um, and very relevant to this episode. So nice work, Ian Gordon. Did you, did you say Swindler's Grift or Gift? Swindler's Grift with a yeah, with an well R. done, yeah, good. So mm. it's Nicole Catalina, Wine Mixer, and Ian Gordon outright not outright but tied for second position, both on four points. Oh, okay, but three points go to Josh Hedge. Josh Hedge, uh, yeah, for it runs in the scamily. And now I thought I thought that was appropriate because you know you've got father and son connards this time around, but also then it's revealed that uh, Grandpa was a uh, a bit of a flimflam man yeah. back in the day, you know, because hey, it beats working. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that was, was one of my line. favorite lines. Like, yeah, it's like you had to grift during the Great Depression. Well, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the sim- the you know the, the male Simpsons are you know very work shy. I think that's great. For some <laughs> reason, I feel like Josh Hedge should have a point by now. I feel like you gave him a point at what at some point, but mm. I don't have him here on the uh, leaderboard. Am I wrong? Okay, well, uh, it wouldn't be the first time. Well, how, uh, many, how, many, well, how, many, how many episodes are we in now? This is the seventh one, so we should have. Ah, I can't work it that way because you've given. I'm, you've I'm looking points. back through. I'm looking back through my notes as we see. Oh, you've yeah, kept Josh- the notes. Oh, I fucking love this. I love the fact that you keep notes for every episode. We should post photos of this on Patreon. Oh, no one wants to see my shit handwriting. <laughs> uh, but I've gone back, and it was uh, episode five where Josh got two points for. Uh, this was The Simpsons versus Dignity. Or as Henrik Vintelin put it, the Simpsons versus quality. <laughs> uh, for a Randy Pandy because Burns can't get candy. Yeah. That's and who a got, Josh Hedge original. Who, who else got points in that one? I just want to make sure I've actually uh, added this up correctly. Well, that time around, it was uh, I was really divvying up the points because three people got one point each. Um, let's see. The winner was Dave Abbott-Smith for I Would Do Anything for Funds. And then um, Alistair Danik, Andrew Parker, and Keith Nettam all got a point each. This was episode five. I feel like I haven't added that to the previous leaderboard. Oh, man, things have changed big time now. So Alistair Danik got a point for that one. Andrew Parker. It was Alistair Danik, Andrew Parker, Keith Nettam. All right. So one, adding that one to, point each. Adding that to the tally, because for some reason I have an old leaderboard here. Whoa, things have changed. Things have changed. Okay. Ooh. So now... David Abbott-Smith and Josh Hedge are now outright second, both on five points. Mm-hmm. 
In third position, we have a tie with Nicole Catalina, Y-Mixer, and Ian Gordon of four points. And, oh, as well as Alistair Danik, who's also on four points. So, it's three-way tie there. But still in first position, tie, we have D.L. Gorman and Garode Harrowhill on six. So, third position, Alistair, Nicole, Ian on four. Second position, uh, second position we have Josh Hedge on five, Dave Eversmith on five. And in top position, we have Garode Harrowhill and D.L. Gorman both on six points. Oof. Oh, it is, it is gla- anyone's race at this point. I'm glad I asked that question because there would have been some uproar <laughs> with the patrons if I didn't get that I'm, right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the patrons are keeping score, unlike Dando. <laughs> <laughs> it's, when you, it's when you start saying, okay, six people this week get three points. It just throws me. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry about that. We'll try <laughs> Oh, man. But we're, we're caught up now. It's all good. I think we're fine. Patrons, if we're not fine, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I too will go back through my notebook and maybe do do my sums and uh, make sure everything's on the up and up. Yes, yes, that's right. All righty, before we get into our review, though, we need to talk to or we need to read our uh, new names from our Twitters, Twitter followers. What do we call them? Our twits? Is that what we called them? Our twitwits? Yes, yes. So, what have they got for us this week? Mm. Don't forget to follow us, guys, at Four Finger Pod. All right, what have they got for us this week? We've got here from at Elliot J O'Neill. He says, "Steely Dad." I'll play on uh, Steely Dan there. I would have to assume. I like this one, Dan Thompson, Grifton a and which is for a wrestling fan, a take on the Godfather's Pimpin' Ain't Easy, as well as a couple others here. We've got at Stuart Ritchie 20 says, get grifting or die trying. And I did like these ones here from at Shimpan Salter, Mike Salter, because they appeal to my 90s, my love of 90s uh, action flicks. We've got Con Like the Wind and Con in 1360 seconds. So thank you so much, guys, to all our followers on Twitter who have contributed to the new name segment for this week. But now, Mr. Davis, let's get into our review of The Great Money Caper. The original air date for The Great Money Caper was December 10th in the year 2000. Uh, The chopper gag, the nurse is not dealing, and the couch gag. Now, I can honestly say, I wrote this down in my notes, I cannot remember ever seeing this couch gag ever in my life. No recollection of it at all. The fishbowl one? Yeah. It's just, yeah, I've, I've, it's funny because I've seen so many couch gags over the years, but this one of the Simpsons family in a um, in a fishbowl, just, yeah, never seemed to remember it. But yeah, the title, though, I mean, uh, just sort of going back to, it's, yeah, the title of the episode is, of course, The Great Money Caper, supposedly a riff on the Muppet movie, The Great Muppet Caper. To me, though, I mean, The Great Money Caper sort of sounds like... Um, Something Troy McClure would be in. It's like, hi, I'm Troy McClure. You might remember me from such films as the the Great Money Caper. You know, what's that one with um Uncle Doobie and the Frisco Freakout or something like? Oh yeah, that? yeah. Kind of, but see, the thing is, it sounds like a sequel to that. Troy McClure could also be in the uh, in the Great Muppet Caper because he did look like a Muppet. Remember? Ah, uh, Phil, we miss you. <laughs> there we do. Alrighty, so the episode kicks off with the family arriving at the Magic Palace. Homer tells the valet not to do any uh. Tricks in his car, takes the octopus uh, keychain. Yep, no joyriding, uh, Ferris Bueller style. No, Although, no. who would want to go for a joyride in Homer's shit car? Yeah, but the thing is, Homer thinks it's a great car. So, you know, let him think that. True. And he is very attached to his uh, octopus uh, key ring. I always wanted to go to a restaurant like this, and I've never been to one where it's like a themed thing. So, this is, you know, the waiters are pretending to be mentalists and whatnot, guessing the drinks and that kind of thing. When he suggests that, the, <laughs> I did like this, so when he suggests the large island iced tea, Marge is like, no, 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 the Long Island Iced Tea. Marge is like, more like Large Island Iced Tea crickets. <laughs> Nicola thought that was hilarious as well. So, no, no, L- long as much I'm, a, <laughs> I, I'm a bit of a fan of someone, you know, 
Yeah, telling a joke that they think kills and it just gets tumbleweeds. I think that's pretty good. I did like that. I did like Questo, the sort of the master of that uh, that cold reading technique, where it's like I'm thinking of something. It's starting with a B. It's a <laughs> beer. B- did you mean beer? <laughs> <laughs> it's like John Edward. All right, I'm getting someone over exactly, the side of the room. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's an N. It's a no. Ned. Ned. It's Ned. <laughs> I'm thinking of a jaw, a jaw. Jesse, Jesse. Is a Joe? Is a John? Yeah, it's John. <laughs> oh my God! You're talking about my late uncle John. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever happened to that guy, John Edwin? Oh, look, he's probably still doing the rounds. I mean, uh, the world is not short of suckers, Dan. <laughs> no, that is definitely for sure. Uh, but the mentalist here, I thought it was so great. When Marge says, I need to make sure I pretend to at least like it, or I might upset the mentalist, or I upset the waiter. If she doesn't <laughs> like this, I'll just die. <laughs> <laughs> I knew a girl who was mad about iced teas. Um, a Long Island iced tea? A Long <laughs> She liked a large island iced tea as well. But boom. No, no. Um, no, she was, when we'd go have a drink, she would often order a Long Island iced tea, which I would end up paying for. <laughs> <laughs> Nicola's a lemon, lime, and bitters person. You know that Long Island iced teas are incredibly alcoholic, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yes. Well, that, that, that would explain why Marge is incredibly drunk after drinking them. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I thought you were sort of conflating lemon, lime, and bitters and uh, Long Island iced tea. It's like one of these things is more alcoholic than the other. Well, Nicola's not a big drinker anymore. I, keyword anymore. Um, well, so, yeah, yeah. So she, her go to is now the lemon, lime, bitters. Uh, so, Marge <laughs> is now incredibly tipsy. Some would say wasted. The magician needs a volunteer. It's always great when Marge gets a laugh, isn't it? It is. And by the way, is this maybe the first time in a while that they've alluded to Marge not having a drinking problem, but enjoying a drink a bit too much? Because um, remember, we did we did commentaries for the um, we've done some commentaries for early episodes, like first season episodes. And there's a one where they go to Mr. Burns's. There's no disgrace uh, like mansion. home. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Marge, I think there's a little alcohol in this punch, and. I don't think they've ever sort of had her getting on the or getting on the sauce, or to quote the great Victorian premier Dan Andrews, get on the beers. I don't think they've had her doing that, uh, and I don't. I can't recall her doing it up until now. The last time she was drinking like this, I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but it would be you only move twice. The Hank Scorpio episode where Marge starts drinking to pass the time because all the the house is doing all the chores by itself. Oh yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like a super house. So Marge is just sitting there drinking one all day, and every time she has a sip, it's da 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 da. But yeah, so she she volunteers herself. There was a line here which was tragic but hilarious at the same time. I'll do it. I always end up doing it. Doing it, yeah. Marge, so the Marge gets the laugh here when she says, that's no gentleman, that's my husband. And as I said, I always appreciate when Marge gets a laugh and Marge gets a, the chance to have a funny. Well, that's a, that's a play on, uh, I think there's an old sort of hacky stand-up comedian who's like, uh, who was that lady with I saw you with the other night? That's no lady, that's my wife. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. I know when she says, um, I didn't say that to get a laugh or I didn't say that for your applause or something along those lines, that was a play on something John Wayne said once. Yeah, I've read that as well. I think he was at like an award ceremony and I think he'd had a few. That line ain't for a clapping. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, you know, clearly thought he was saying something deep and profound or whatever. And it's like, oh, we love you too. That's not for a clapping. Sorry, that's my pissy John Wayne impersonation. <laughs> I love that you apologize every time you do an impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so she keeps interrupting the magician, just just like a heckler at a, at a comedy show. So he gags yeah. her. The ball gag was a bit much. Yeah, yeah, it was very Pulp Fiction style, wasn't it? That's very yeah, that's very gimpy. Yeah, chucks her in the guillotine, makes her disappear. But then that the line that we both mentioned. So she was made of chimps. It's, the delivery is just so great on that, isn't it? So she was made of chimps. chimps. That's really good. <laughs> uh, Margin the banana. So Mike Scully, the showrunner, was the guy who voiced the, this is not part of the show, people. Please help her. <laughs> <laughs> Going through the gift shop. And it's funny because I never noticed it until I was in America on our honeymoon that everywhere had a gift shop. <laughs> really? Like, what was an unexpected place that had a gift shop, do you think? Uh, there was a food buffet place that we went to. In Las Vegas. Oh, really? And it was just a restaurant. And the restaurant had its own gift shop. I'm like, this is a fucking restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Bubba, Bubba Gump's is another one. Bubba Gump's had a, had a gift shop. Oh, good golly. And I could kind of get it because Gump. Bubba Gump's is kind of themed on Forrest Gump. It's kind of movie related. But yeah, this was just yeah. like a random food buffet in Las Vegas. But you had to walk through the gift the gift shop to get out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, the, in this gift shop is where Bart finds the, the magic kit, which is what sets up the episode. So the kids are all arguing in the car. Marge needs some quiet time because she's a bit hungover. And this is where the fish falls from the Russian space station and hits the car. It would be quite startling, wouldn't it, for a giant fish to just land on the bonnet of your car? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It reminded me of um, damn bird shit on my window again in Con Air. And then the body. <laughs> <laughs> that was Dave Chappelle, by the way, who fell out of the plane in, um, in Con Air. Get the fuck out. That was Dave Chappelle? That's Dave Chappelle as pinball. No. Absolutely it was. How have I never put that together? Hmm. Really? Dave Chappelle. Wow. Well, there you go. I have to go back and watch that movie. I haven't watched it for a while. I, it, that's usually like my go-to over summer. I watched it at least once, but I haven't watched it for several years. I'm going to have to watch it. It's been, a, it's been a while since I re-watched Con Air, but yeah, I think I may have to revisit as well, actually. I, I can't watch Con Air without watching Face Off. I have to back it up with it. <laughs> True. Yeah, I, I was about to say exactly the same thing because, I mean, they came out at roughly the same time and I always sort of conflate the two. Face Off is, of course, the better film, but Con Air is a pretty good film. <laughs> Fuck, I'm just looking at the pictures. You're right. He is played by Dave Chappelle. It's just it's just Dave Chappelle. How have I never noticed this? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Another reason to like that movie, besides Trisha Year was How Do I Live Without You? <laughs> oh, of course. A very moving number. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, we- I, so I'll tell you one of the things I like about Con Air. Feel free yep. to cut this out, but um, it's got some of the great character names, mm. like Cyrus um, the Virus. Cyrus the Virus is fantastic. Uh, Diamond Dog, probably my favourite though. Um, he's not he's not in it all that much, but I just think it's a great character name. Is Billy Bedlam? <laughs> Which one's he? Just, he's um, I think he's the one who Nick Cage has put the bunny back in the box. Okay. Yep. 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 They have their fight in the hold and you know, put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> Sorry, that was more. I think that was Matthew McConaughey more than Nicholas Cage. <laughs> but that all was right, just that right. was just like that movie to me is just peak Nicholas Cage. <laughs> it's fantastic. I mean, <laughs> there's that great meme going around of um, someone put the picture of him breathing the fresh air, right? Yeah, yeah, and they put it next to like a um. The hand dryer at the at the men's room. Oh, I haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah, and they've sort of tilted the thing so it's like it's blowing Nicolas Cage's hair back, <laughs> <laughs> and he's got that big smile on his face. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw a meme that said um, uh, that look when you can take your mask off in the car after a long shift at work. <laughs> 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 oh man. Anyway, so getting back to the episode. So mm. they're now at Dents, 
And uh, because it's a foreign fish that's hit the car, it's going to have to charge. It's going to charge a lot more, 6,500 plus the 350. Bart says, maybe I can do some magic tricks to earn us some extra money um, because, you know, he's getting pretty good at it now. We, we, we didn't. I thought it would have been nice to see Bart practicing his magic tricks, getting good at it, but it doesn't matter. Well, yeah. It's just all of a sudden he's good at it and the cat can't breathe. So uh, <laughs> they're now going down to the squid port. The squid port was first introduced in the episode My Sister, My Sitter, where Bart is babysitted by Lisa and Marge okay. and Homer go down to the grand opening of the squid port. Yeah, yeah. So Flanders is here. He enjoys Bart's tricks, but he won't pay any money because he's not paying any money towards the black arts. Did you hear he called Oriental cooking? <laughs> it's black art. He did say that, yeah. <laughs> hey, you guys. You're in our spot. Okay, we'll move. We don't want any trouble, fellas. Dad, only one of them is real. I know, but which one? I can remember as clear as anything, this was definitely on the commercial. It was one of the selling points for the episode. Because, you know, taking the piss out of Michael Jackson was one of the easiest... It's like, the taking the piss out of Michael Jackson was kind of like taking the piss out of Donald Trump now. It's the easiest thing in comedy. It is, yeah. It's a bit of... It's a, not necessarily a cheap shot, but yeah, certainly an easy shot. You're right. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen like one of those uh, puppet shows with you know someone's got like two puppets on either side attached to rods or whatever? I've never seen one in person. No, no. I think I have actually. I can't remember. I've actually saw it like at Venice Beach when I was in LA, or maybe I've even seen it in Melbourne. But uh, I'm always I'm always kind of impressed by it. It's like yeah, that's a, a nice bit of sort of uh, choreography. <laughs> Well, choreography, but uh, mainly just uh, you know, functionality with in artwork. I just think well, that's that's pretty neat, pretty nicely put together. Well done. <laughs> so they only made sixty cents. Now this was the first moment where I went, "Oh, they're really not painting Homer in a positive light here," because Homer legitimately just ditches Bart because he didn't make it because <laughs> they weren't able to make any money. He just leaves his ten-year-old son at the squid port. I was like, <laughs> "What?" How was this written into the episode? This isn't good. This is bad. Bad writing. Ah, <laughs> uh, Dan, no, we can tell that you are now a father and one more on the way because, yes, you're becoming increasingly upset with Homer's bad parenting and I'm just kind of like, eh, it's, it's okay just- by me. <laughs> <laughs> so Bart starts getting donations because everyone starts feeling sorry for him and as, as Homer's driving home, he sees Bart in the cab. Gets home, sees Bart eating a steak and this mm. is where Homer gets the idea, oh, Made all, all this extra money. Maybe we can pull some more scams. Can you look pathetic? And Bart does the whole, you know, making himself look really, uh, really sad and run down. Homer's justification here for being a grifter is fantastic, isn't it? I did like <laughs> sort of. He's got this huge karmic debt. He's what he's been screwed over his whole life. That uh, basically time to get his back or something along those lines. Basically, just trying to balance out the universe because you know God grifted him or God conned him out of sixty five hundred dollars. <laughs> Uh, now, what was the, the line here? They say, just like the season. What am I missing here? What's that a reference to? You know what? I don't know. <laughs> you know, if, if, if any of our uh, learned listeners, uh, learned actually, no, no, if any of our learned listeners you know, know the meaning of that gag or, or think there's anything sort of deeper behind it, by all means let us know because, yeah, I'm drawing a blank and clearly so is Dando. Yes. Come back from commercial and Bart's reading through a child's garden of cons. They get the idea for the pillow. Now, call me crazy, but this just seems illogical. Wouldn't it just be easier <laughs> to go down and buy a cake? Yeah, or, or you know, have a scene where they're sort of lurking behind the, you know, a bakery late at night or something and, you know, waiting for a baker to come out with cakes that they couldn't sell and then just, you know, stealing one or whatever and then going home and, you know, putting icing and 
do, you know, doling it all up or whatever. Yeah, I mean, even with animation, it's like, who the hell is going to fall for a, a cushion as a cake? No, I'm not buying it. So it tips over and hits the ground. It's it, Regardless of it being a pillow, you're still only going to be able to use it once, right? <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here. I don't know. It just, it just seemed like a waste of time <laughs> to me. Yeah, Homer and Bart are not exactly Ocean's Eleven when it comes to scams. <laughs> but that, as I said at the start, though, this scene where they're icing it up just had a real classic Simpsons vibe to it with Marge just asking Homer the questions. What are you doing? Why are you frosting that old throw pillow? I could ask you the very same question. Should I just back out of the room? Would you? They're now at the Squidport once again and they're pulling their first con and it's on Kent Brockman. Now, did you notice here he says, I love you and have a nice day or something along those lines. I wonder who he's it's talking just, to it, there because we never see I don't know, but love interest. I don't know, but he's doing his sign off from the news in an everyday conversation, which I thought was very funny. Yes, that's <laughs> really good. Yeah, I wanted to see Ken, more Ken of that. Ken Brockman though. is one of my stealth favorite characters, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ken Brockman. It's because he doesn't get used all that often. So when it is, it's used, it's always for a reason. It's generally funny. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Also, I think maybe because of your, you know, years and years and years, decades in the in the media industry. I do feel a bit of a kinship with Kent. Yes. Yeah. So we're at home again and Marge and Lisa are questioning Bart and Homer on their magic trick. It's always good when Bart and Homer think they're pulling one over everyone else, but they're just blatantly oh, obviously yeah. lying. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> They're on the verge of getting busted all the time with this, just through yes. their own arrogance and confidence and stupidity. Well, well, as I was watching this first section of the episode where they're pulling the pranks and whatnot, or pulling the, the cons, I almost felt like this is what last week's should have been. I know you disagree, but this is what I wanted out of last week's where I just wanted Mr. Burns and Homer pulling pranks with each other, like, hmm. like, like pulling pranks on other people, but as a team. I thought that would have been funnier for me anyway. So that's why I guess I liked it more because I saw it was getting what I wanted last week with this episode. But Marge is still drinking. The only thing about this is it goes nowhere. Marge drinking. Well, this is this is they've played, they've played it up twice now, and then that's it. It's just not played up again. You know, you don't see her drinking for the rest of the episode. It was like they were writing this little subplot in the in the background here that goes nowhere. Yeah, I mean, if they used her pretending to you know be a drunk as part of their grift, yeah, on on Homer and Bart. Maybe that would have worked, but it didn't seem that they were doing that. I mean, maybe it was in a in a cut scene or an earlier draft or something. But yeah, it, you're right. It doesn't really go anywhere. That's the problem I'm finding with with the episodes lately is that there's so many stories that don't get a payoff. It's it's bizarre. Yeah. Like if, I, if I'm writing a structure, if I'm writing an episode, there's going to be a structure, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And Absolutely. if you if you can't get to each of those sections, if you can't make it all work and, and intertwine and make it to be a a, a story that makes sense then move on to the next idea because there's no point in doing it. Yeah, I mean, and don't have threads like these and just leave them dangling. It's same as like last yeah. week. Remember last week when Bart was saying, you know, I, I swung a knife at a cop. That's right, yeah. And, it's, and that went nowhere. I was like, why? Uh, look, I'm, it was for the service of, a, of another gag, certainly, but... Uh, this one, not so much, though. This one wasn't the service of gag. This was just to have Marge continue drinking. No, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, Marge didn't even have to be... You know, pissed to get on the stage at um, at the Magic Castle or whatever. No. It didn't really add anything to anything. So, yeah, why is it there? Why is it there, Dando? You could have had, um, you know, Marge catches Bart and Homer doing their cons and then they. it's similar to the, the beer baron where she goes, 
oh, shit, you're actually making lots of money. And then Marge gets involved and they say, look, Marge, mm. we just have to do this one more thing. Marge says, fine, but you've got to be a part of it. And Marge doesn't really want to, but she sees the power. She goes, fine, if you promise this is the last one. And then she rocks up drunk or something and ruins it for them all. At yeah. least it all makes sense. At least there's a payoff to her drinking. You know what I mean? I do. Um, but anyway, so this is where Bart now cons Dr. Hibbert about his dog. This was great. The dog for sale, dog for sale. <laughs> oh, he's not for sale. <laughs> Again, I I tend to say I like it when Homer does X or whatever, but uh, when he's sort of got his guy incognito garb on and he does it, doesn't do it all that often, but when he's in a fancy suit or whatever, and usually some form of fake mustache or beard, like, yes, I enjoy that. <laughs> I always enjoy the, ooh, this is my new voice. <laughs> like, he's, he's got his guy in voice, like you said, it's great. <laughs> Homer has now upgraded his car. He's got the Ike Drift license plate and everything. Gives a bit extra to the mechanic, and then they pull a con and get the money back because but <laughs> the cake joke. Now, we're at the point where they've, the reason they went into grifting was to be able to pay off the car. They've paid off the car, but Homer can't stop because he's thinking of all the other things that have happened to him in his life, like getting his car, his uh, bike stolen, I think in the second or third grade or whatnot. This yeah. moment here, I really, really did not like. They've done it once before where Homer plays up like he's forgotten that Maud Flanders has died. But for Bart and Homer, as characters, try to pull a Swifty on Flanders, playing up that he's, he's, he's lost of his wife, was too much for me. I know it's just a cartoon, but you shouldn't have the main characters of your TV show sinking to this level, in my opinion. I get where you're coming from, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's it's reprehensible behaviour. I will, I can't excuse it, but I will admit that I did sort of laugh at just at um, at Flanders being Homer. We went through this already. My wife is dead. I mean, I know it's. I know that's not especially funny, but the way Ned actually said at that time, like, how many times do I have to keep telling you about this? <laughs> um, I, I, I actually thought that was kind of funny. Hello, is the lady of the house in? Oh no, Homer! Remember, Monty got called up to heaven. Oh, of course, of course. It's just that. What? Well, before she died, she ordered this Bible especially for you. Why, there's my name in gold. Now, you weren't home, so we had to pay the delivery man. Well, I'll just reimburse you right... Wait a minute. This seems an awful lot like that movie, Paper Moon. Run, Dad! Okay. (laughs) We'll be safe in here. That was too close. Maybe it's time to quit the game. Amateurs! Huh? Dad? That's right. You don't smoke a pipe. That's right. (laughs) Why'd you get wise to us? Are you kidding? They used to call me Grifty McGrift. I wrote the book on Flim Flammin'. Wow, he did. Yeah, in the depression, you had to grift. Either that or work. They they love the old something, mix something. They used to call me Grifty McGrift. McGrift. (laughs) (laughs) He wrote the book on, uh, on Flim Flamming. And he suggests that you know he's got the, the money pot, so let's let's go for it. And it's the old folks' home. See now, the, for you, Homer and Bart going to um, going to Flanders and trying to rip him off and doing and being insensitive the way they were was a, a bit too far. For me, ripping off oldies is a bit too far. Oh, but I completely <laughs> agree. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I know they did a bit of a bit of asking. It was like, yeah, they'll only give it to televangelists anyway, which is a shame because a lot of them do. Um, not to generalize old people, but. Uh, 
you do a little research or a bit of reading, man, that's like, oh, God, those fuckers. Um, but, yeah, still no excuse for Homer and Bart and, and Grandpa to be ripping old people off their money. Yeah, yeah. It got to the point where it was not so much funny anymore. It was just, oh, you're just being horrible people You, you need a better just – not to tell the Simpsons right of this business, although in this case I think it might be justified. <laughs> um, you need a better ju- – if once they've – made their money back or once they've made the money that they need back you need a better justification for them to keep going otherwise it's greedy and wrong you know so and um yeah it didn't really work in this scenario but i guess you could say in saying that at least they get what they deserve in the end or you think they are but they don't and uh, it's it's a stupid ending but you think they've been caught thank you no shoving that's right put your money in here all of it. Is that everyone? What's your problem, sport? Afraid to be rich? Hold your horses. I'll get to you. FBI. <gasps> You're under arrest for fraud. <gasps> <laughs> Throw the book at him, Sonny. Don't. Now, where's the inside man? Call me Mint Jelly, cause I'm on the lamb. So, we're under arrest for fraud? Yes, fraud. We come back from commercial, Bart and Homer are pleading to uh, to Devin Bradley for a chance. Actually, we need to mention, I did like the throw the book at him, sonny. <laughs> Bart tries to get out of it. <laughs> um, so, they he says to him, look, I can let you guys turn yourselves in. That might be a bit easier on you. Homie goes in, tells Wiggum, I want to show Bart a cell just to teach him a lesson. They think they've pulled the, the rug over the eyes of, of Devon, 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 yes. Devon Bradley. De- let, well, let's call him Devon, yes. But also, by the way, don't forget they go to the Rick James suite, which is super freaky. It is super <laughs> freaky. That is right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've just reminded myself. I was listening to Super Freak the other day. I don't know if I've ever talked about this with you or even talked about it on the podcast. Um, Rick James has not the not the weirdest singing voice, but you listen to Super Freak and he's sort of like like a cartoon cat or something. He he's almost sounds like Snagglepuss. He's like, it's such a freak essay. <laughs> Go back and listen to Super Freak and you're like, he's almost, yeah, like... Um, like someone doing a cartoon impersonation of Vincent Price or something. I haven't listened to that song for a long time. I'm going to have to check it out. It, look, it's, <laughs> it is what the kids call a banger or a jam, or at least the kids, you know, I think the kids used to say that, and now they'd be like, shut up, Grandpa, don't talk about music. But <laughs> she's super freaky. Ow. It's like... <laughs> it's it's very funky, but you listen to just his vocals, it's like, hmm... <laughs> So, Don't know about that, Rick James. Sounds like a 1970s Hanna Barbera cartoon. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit snagglepussy. <laughs> you do a really good snagglepuss impersonation, actually. <laughs> I think I used to want to exit the stage left, even. <laughs> I can't I remember if that's Touche. Is that is it Snagglepuss or Touche Turtle oh, or Tennessee Turtle? <laughs> they're all similar. Is it- I love when Rick James was previously on The Simpsons. It wasn't actually him, but they have like the Rick James Christmas special or something. And he finishes the song and then the cops just come in and arrest him. And he's like, oh man, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rick James, rest in peace, sir. Uh, so, so good. So, yeah, so they, they think they've tricked 
uh, Devon Bradley, Devon Bradley, but he's actually stolen their stuff. Homer says, all right, boy, honestly, it's now honesty all the way. Cuts to them telling a bullshit story to Marge and Lisa. And it's acted here by Julian Yardley like they're pretending like they don't know. Or they're pretending like it's a bad thing, but mm. the characters are playing it up like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a terrible thing. When really, the characters know exactly because they've set this all up, but we, just, mm. we the viewer isn't aware of that yet. So, yeah. Marja wakes up Homer and... This is another thing too. So, they wake up Homer and they show him that Willie's being arrested and whatnot. And so, Homer's at the end of this scene says, it's time to go to sleep. It's 10 a.m. And he puts himself to sleep with chloroform. I'm like, what the <laughs> heck? Like... I don't. I don't get that. What was the point of that? <laughs> yeah, I think he's just a you know avoiding responsibility or whatever. But um, <laughs> yeah, the the chloroform gag. Eh, don't know. Not quite. But I did like. Yeah. Oh, time to go to sleep at ten a.m. <laughs> but Marge, they always say that they're innocent. It's such a turnoff. <laughs> <laughs> We're now at the court case, and it's just. A steady decline from here. So, the first thing I noticed was the judge was different. I sort of thought, that's weird. Why isn't it Judge Schneider? It sounds like Judge oh, Schneider's okay. voice. It's That's strange. Then, um, yeah, so Homer's now being questioned. Mr. Simpson, could you describe your assailant to the court? I told you my memory is fuzzy. Fuzzy. Fuzzy like Willie's beard? <laughs> yes, exactly. No, no, I mean, the whole incident is hazy. Hazy like the moors of Scotland? Yes, exactly! By the way, does that lawyer have any name other than Bluehead Lawyer? No, he's, he's literally called Bluehead Lawyer. I think he is just called Bluehead Lawyer. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's. Just, I, I, I like it when he appears. Is it? Because I think he was the one who. Freddie he was up against Lionel. He was up against Lionel Hutz one time. I, I, I've talked about this before, I'm sure, but uh, that whole thing about. I'm so confident in my case that uh, I'm going to waste the jury's time rating the super hunks. <laughs> God knows how many times in my life I've borrowed the term rating the super hunks. I just find that hilarious. Yeah. That blue haired lawyer just seems very sharp. He seems very on the ball. Did you notice Homer's uh, flag here? His justice flag? Justice flag! Yay! <laughs> if there's one consistent thing they did well in season 11 through 12, it's the flags. <laughs> it's flags, absolutely. Oh, I love Homer and his flags. And I started watching the next episode, um, just getting a bit ahead there, and at the very start, there's Homer with various flags. You'll love it. <laughs> oh, fantastic. So, really gets found guilty, gets sentenced to 10 years in prison, I really feel sorry for Willie. He wasn't even in on it. <laughs> yeah, he was completely railroaded. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Willie. <laughs> and to think, he legitimately thought he had shot Skinner dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Although the one thing I did like was um, he sort of pleading his innocence and uh, I did they do it. Yeah, sure you did nay. So, yeah, so basically this is where Willie goes nuts, takes the gun. You think he's shot Marge in the hair and shot Skinner dead. But knows Homer eventually comes clean. Homer, I'm just waiting for the right moment. And then Marge rings the bell, wraps it up. And once she rang that bell, I went, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Surely not. And it was. It was all a big joke that apparently all of Springfield was a part of. Um, everything gets revealed. Devon Bradley is actually just a, what is he? A, a He's a triple threat actor, character triple threat. actor, singer, dancer. Yeah. See, the... One of the good things about a con movie pulling this thing at the end where it's like, 
guess what? It was all a big ruse. And here, here's how Ocean's Eleven actually broke into that vault. And, you know, you're so little flashbacks throughout. It's like, while you were watching them, we were watching you. And, you know, you thought this was happening, but that was happening. And, you know, it's like, oh, I missed that. Oh, 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 they did that. Oh, that's cool. Oh, it makes sense. Oh. Yeah. And and it, they, they sort of reverse engineer it. So you say, oh, oh, that's how they did it. Neat. Because you've, you know, you've been conned as much as the, uh, as much as the characters have mm-hmm. been conned. And, but then you're sort of, oh, you guys put so much work into it. I, you know, <laughs> I can't stay mad at you con men for ripping me off more of my money. You know, that kind of thing. But in this case, they don't do it. It's no. just like, no, I mean, and look, I know this is a half hour episode of a TV comedy, but at the same time. That doesn't matter. That does not that, matter. No, it doesn't matter. You're right. Like, just just don't do it. I, I don't know. There's probably listeners out there who are just saying, get over it. It's just a cartoon. But to me, if you've invested your time into this story, for them to consistently say, none of this matters anyway, then why do I keep watching? If they're telling me as a, a hardcore fan of the show who dedicates my time to watching this show each week, if they're telling me that the stories don't matter because we, aren't, we can't yeah. be bothered finishing them, then why do I keep watching? <laughs> yeah. In the equal, the love you the love you take is equal to the love you make, as as the Beatles once said. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I'll give you my attention if you're giving me, if you're, yeah, I'll put in the time if you put in the time. At least exactly. attempt for it to make somewhat sense. You know what I mean? Mm. Don't just go, well, we couldn't be bothered. We wanted to go home for dinner. So, ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I actually, you know what it is? So, Mitch brought this up once during the podcast because once we, we interviewed Mike Scully. And Mike Scully, Wait, who was the- sh- Mitch, 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 you say? You, you've been <laughs> talk, talking to Mitch? Yeah, he, uh, he took over. Mike Scully took over from Showrunner from season uh, <laughs> nine onwards. Yeah, nine through 12, I believe. Mm. And he- brought in the rule that once it gets, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock or whatever, it's time to go home and go to the next day. And it could possibly be that that played a role in them not thinking of a cohesive ending to their stories. Because in the earlier years, and not saying this is the right way to go about it, but in the earlier years, they'd be up to all hours of the night working, you know, 12 to 14 hour days trying to make the best episode possible that all, that all makes sense. But when it came to time for Scully to take over, he, by looking after his workers, which is 100% a positive, it shortened their time and maybe they just sort of got comfortable and went, eh, you know what, it's 5.45. How can we end this? They go surfing? Great. There we go. Yeah. Look, it, it, it's, a, it's a maybe a bad thing to say, but comfort is the enemy of creativity. I've, I've, I've heard this on, on multiple occasions from multiple people. You need competition. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, or you need some form of desperation, you know, whether to make it in the first place or or whatever, you know. I mean, if you you're just starting out, you want to make a name for yourself or a reputation for yourself, you're gonna yeah, you're gonna be working long, crazy hours, uh, you know, put yourself under insane amount of pressure because you know you want to you want to prove yourself, and once you have, I won't say there's a tendency to coast, but there's you know. You may be operating at at uh, less than full steam ahead. What did we learn, Palmer? So, what did you learn from the episode, Mister Davis? Um, look, I like to think it may be a bit of a, a storytelling one hundred and one basic. It's certainly when it comes to con capers, though. Know your ending and work backwards from that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I think that might be good advice for the Simpson writers' room. 
<laughs> Good advice for all involved in regards to this episode. Characters and writing staff. <laughs> yes, indeed. Know, know your end destination and then, yes, travel backwards from there. <laughs> I learnt that uh, nobody, and I mean nobody, can resist a novelty check. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if some guy walked up to me with a giant check that said a million dollars, I'd be like, hmm, I've always wanted a giant-sized novelty <laughs> check. I mean, th- th- what happens when you get given that thing? Do you, is that just uh, purely for, for a visual, or do you walk into the bank with that thing? What do you do with it? I hate to sort of, you know, shatter any illusions. I like to think of you walking into the bank with a big novelty check <laughs> yeah. and, and trying to get it cashed, but I'm pretty sure that's just for photo ops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm sure there has been, you know, some person who was one big on tats or whatever and uh, said, no, I'm taking this one. Give me this chick. Jamil! <laughs> Jamil is here! Ooh! Mailbag time. Okay, Mr. Davis, we asked our patrons for some questions in regards to this episode and they did not disappoint. So let's just open up the mailbag and ask they never disappoint. some questions. They never disappoint. We love our patrons. We love everyone who listens to the show. Noah Daniel says, what's the cheesiest magic trick you've ever seen as a kid or that you saw as a kid and that still gets you to this day? I'm a sucker for the, the ball under the cup. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, I mean, um, I, don't, I don't think I've ever actually seen it up close. I've seen it once up close. It completely fooled me. But see, I, when I see street performers doing it, I know they're rigging it. You know what I mean? Like I know it's oh, a, yeah. a catch. And I'll never forget when we're in London at Hyde Park and we're walking through, and um, I think it's Hyde Park, the one near Buckingham Palace, anyway. And uh, there was a street performer with the cups. And he was saying, and he, he had like his little, um, his little mate there who was like pretending to be just a random person. And I remember he was like, it was $50 to play. And if you were able to what? guess where it was... He tripled your money. He gave you one fifty, and of course, this guy went first, won the money. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and then he stuck around. And I was like, "This guy knows that guy. He's sucking me in big time." <laughs> but Nicola, Nicola was literally going to do it, and I was like, "Nicola, I'd like talk her out of it. I'd talk, talk her off the ledge." <laughs> I like to think I'm savvy enough that I would never sort of play any three card monte or shell game or anything like that. Certainly not for that amount of money. That's obscene. You know, if I was walking through some neighbourhood in New York, for instance, or whatever, and I you know, saw some street hustlers doing three-card Monty, and I could get away with maybe like throwing down 10 bucks, I'd do it just for the story, I think. <laughs> yeah. This guy went at 50, I, and I was like, nah. Yeah, <laughs> 50 pounds, too. Nah. So that, that's like 100 bucks. 50 pounds is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of money. So, yeah, so no, I wouldn't be doing that. Um, I think the, the, the trick that I always... Well, it's not one you can really fall for, but it's one that I always admire and I've tried to learn how to do it, but I just don't have the dexterity, is just, you know, hey, what's that behind you? Oh, it's a 50 cent piece. Or, you know, or making a coin disappear from your hands or anything yeah, like that. I know. I, I, I don't know how they do it. I don't want to know how they do it. No, it's all it's all misdirection in that. I mean, they're basically sort of waving their hands around and say, you look at the left and then you take it with the right or something along those lines. I'm pretty sure. Oh, but I mean, but I just don't have the uh, the physical skills to, to pull that off. But I'm always impressed when, you know, someone's trying to impress a kid or whatever and says, hey, what did I find behind your ear? Oh, it's a coin. And, you know, the kid's like, what? I mean, that's always, that's always great fun. Yeah. And it, I don't think it's actually, it's probably not that difficult to do, but um, I've never been able to sort of get the hang of it. I will never forget the first time that someone fooled me with the separating the thumb trick oh you know you know how you put your, your, your so you bend oh yeah i, I can do it. that yeah you bend your left thumb and then you hide it so it looks like you're separating your thumb 
as yeah. a kid, I was like, holy shit, that's actual magic. <laughs> were, were you ever traumatized by someone saying "got your nose"? Did they? Did you think they had your nose? I, I, the first time, well, first couple of times, yes, and then eventually I conned on because I was like, "Wait a minute, my nose Wait. is still here. My nose is still here. <laughs> yeah. I can smell you. You stink." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done that with Elliot? Have you done "got your nose"? No, I, I, I think he's still a bit too young. I think he'd understand. I don't want to. I don't want to traumatize him too much yet. Okay, good. good, good, good oh, by good the way, you'll be very impressed. Do you know what song? So, children, right? You sing them songs to go to sleep or, you know, as they're going to bed. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Your classic nursery rhymes, right? Do you know what, do you know what Elliot requests? Um, I know you are talking about Shrek the other day. So, was it All Star by Smash Mouth? No, he requests Dance Magic Dance by David Bowie, Labyrinth. Oh, Oh, that kid's got good taste. He calls it, yeah, he calls it the David Bowie song. He wants the David Bowie oh. song. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, yeah, play Suffragette City for him or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's just, I'm, so I'm just sitting there, <laughs> putting him to bed, cradling in my arms. I'm like, I saw my baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. It makes me so happy. Uh, next question yeah. from the mailbag. Uh, don't forget, guys, we're still going to do our little recap of the uh, Season 32 premiere as well, so stick around for that. You, you mentioned to me off the air that you've never been scammed, so most of these questions are based on you know, when have you been scammed and how, what, like, that kind of thing. It's hard to answer That's if a- you've never been scammed. I, I, I feel like you'd be, don't take offense to this, but I feel like you'd be one who would be inclined to be too trustworthy and get scammed sometimes. I think that is true, absolutely. So, look, I've probably been scammed many times, and by, you know, smart, um, capable con artists who are so good at covering their tracks that I don't even know I've been scammed. So <laughs> that, that may well be the case. Here I am sort of acting like I'm uh, above it all. It's like, oh, no, no, you can't put one over on me. No flies on me. And, you know, I've probably been ripped off many times. I, I am quite a trusting individual, I've got to say. You're the most trusting, humble person I know. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about humble, dude. But but certainly trusting. So um, yeah, there's a good chance that I have been uh, have been taken for a raid, so to speak. How about yourself? Have you been ripped off? Have you been scammed? I yeah, I've told the story on the podcast before that when I um I believed or Nicola and I both believed a guy at the subway station in New York. We bought the ticket from him, but he wasn't a real ticket inspector. We got oh. scammed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I won't get into the story again. Go back and find it. It's it's a it's a good story. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners can let us know what episode it was, and I'll let you know. I'm reminded of a line from a movie that I really dig, called The Brothers Bloom by uh, Ryan Johnson, who did The Last Jedi and Knives Out, and it's about a, a, a pair of uh, brothers who are con artists. And there's a line in it saying, you know, the best con is where everybody gets what they want, you know, and even the the person who's been ripped off. They've had such a good time in the whole in the process that they'll sort of walk away from going, you know what, these guys took my money or whatever, or hey, you know, my wallet's missing or whatever, but you know what, these guys put such hard work into all of it and we had such a blast. Eh, I don't really mind. <laughs> it's kind of like how you're explaining. If they at least tried to explain how this ending of the episode made sense, you'd be like, at least you tried, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Glenn Gomes says, uh, what's the best con that you have ever played on someone and for how long did they believe it? So when, when are you going to tell the listeners that you're actually Mitch? <laughs> Mitch doesn't exist. The entire time. <laughs> it was I thought the entire time the guy, the guy doesn't exist. And yeah, this is just Mitch's greatest acting performance. He's actually gone back into the... Um, <laughs> He's put his acting hat back on and he's playing this um, 
guy who's uh, you know, 20 years older, 20 kilos heavier, lost all his hair. It's, it's the ultimate method acting performance. My, my best con is on the listeners. I've never actually seen an episode of The Simpsons. I've just winged it this entire time. <laughs> I've read a couple of reviews, look at the Wikipedia page. I've got this. <laughs> you don't even own a TV. I was actually discussing that with a friend the other day. You don't even need a TV anymore. If you've got a computer, you're set. Pretty much the case. I mean, look, I'm too old school to sort of go without, you know, to go without a TV, to go without a, a good-sized screen, certainly. But um, I do find myself sort of watching more and more stuff on the laptop, if you're into, into your streaming services, you've got a good Wi-Fi connection, well, yeah, basically you don't have to leave the bed anymore. No, exactly right. Uh, final question here from George McMenemy. He says, what are some of the most underrated, underrated lines from across the show that you appreciate? His is, call me mid jelly because I'm on the land. We both enjoyed that one. Well, yes, we all we enjoyed that one this time around. Thoroughly did, yes. Underrated lines. Hmm. Whenever, I, whenever I see the sun... Like if I wake up early, it's sunrise, sunset, <laughs> sunrise, sunset. <laughs> Whenever I'm naming something, I always name it Charlene first. Um, I think I've sort of talked about a few of mine over the course of the last few episodes. In, you mentioned it in this episode, the blue-haired lawyer with the super hunks. Super hunks is great. Cheap Wigan saying, baby, looked at you. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't say it without just without cracking up. The baby uh, looked at you. <laughs> baby looked at you. Look, <laughs> uh, I'm sure there are some others, and I'm look, George. My apologies, mate. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but they will come to me, and I will respond to them on the Facebook page and give you a short list. Yeah, yeah. I find a lot of them for me. If I go back now, it's Chief Wiggum lines that I never appreciated much when I was a kid. But even in 22 short films about Springfield. So it's the Pulp Fiction uh, takeoff of when uh, Marcellus is walking in front of the car, um, in front of Butch's car. But Wiggum's got donuts. He's like, donuts, I got donuts. He's just so happy to have donuts. <laughs> just the, Wiggum's voice is just the, just the best though. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, so, so good. But uh, thank you guys for contributing to the mailbag for this week. Don't forget, if you want to be a four-figure discount patron, just go to patreon.com slash four-figure discount. Get this show a week early and a bunch of other exclusive podcasts, including Tales of Futurama, hosted by myself and Mitch, as well as Talking Seinfeld. Yes, in pod form. Uh, As well as Talking Seinfeld with Guy and myself, uh, the Guy and Dando show, and plenty other exclusive podcasts, as well as access to the four-figure discount Patreon group. Now, Mr. Davis, we promised the listeners that we would get into... Quick little recap, not a full review, just a quick little recap, our thoughts on the premiere of season 32. Now, I'm assuming you've found this episode legally and I have watched it. Everything is completely above board. That's yes, it is, it, is called, it is called Undercover Burns. So the quick gist of this episode was that Mr. Burns discovers once again that the power plant workers don't respect him, don't like him. So it's a takeoff of Undercover Boss. He goes undercover in this like Iron Man type suit. Uh, and which the suit is voiced by David Harbour, who becomes this new character. What is the new character? What's he? What's he become? Uh, he's Fred. Fred, Fred yeah, Tom- Fred Cranepool. Fred Cranepool. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And he befriends Lenny, Carl, and Homer in particular. They love Fred, and in doing so, Mister Burns uh, ends up hating the previous, hating himself, and wants to just become Fred and be Fred all the time, and makes things much better at the power plant for all the workers. And uh, yeah, they they love their new friend Fred. So, first of all, what did you think of the episode? 
I thought the episode was fine. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought it, I thought it got off to a very good start. All the stuff with you know, uh, send your kid to work day or bring your kid to work day or whatever. You know, with the various sort of sideshows and that. I mean, I got a good laugh out of you know, touch the plutonium or you know, useless solar power and all these kind of sideshows. What that. about the crying cucumber? And the crying cucumber. <laughs> yeah, well, that actually the the very sort of the very defaced men's room at the power plant. Yes, yeah, reminded me of the. Uh, well, actually, the the bath, the men's room at uh, at Pop Culture wasn't quite that bad. I don't think it had as much graffiti, but it certainly it had the dank. I, so- I I remember above the urinal. I don't know if it's still there anymore because we're in a new office now. But there was like gum stuck to the the flushing unit or whatever above mm, the urinal, the and someone had drawn a little face underneath it and made the gum look like it was Donald Trump's hair. <laughs> it was that was really good actually. That was a very imaginative graffiti. <laughs> It gave me a smirk every time I went to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, look, it had a, it had its share of good lines, absolutely. And I thought David Harbour, who uh, you know most people know as Chief Hopper from Stranger Things, but he's you know an actor who's been around for a while. He was he was Hellboy when they tried to reboot Hellboy uh, recently. Has that movie come out? Has it? Hellboy. Oh, yeah, it came and went very quickly. It was... Uh, really? I didn't think it was even out yet. Wow, that did come and go very fast. Yeah, it's it's no good. Um, oh, look, there are bits in it that are good, and David Harbour certainly, um, you know, gives it his all, but Ron Perlman pretty much owns the role of Hellboy. So... He was yeah. also in a film with Jamie Foxx that I didn't mind. Which one was that? It's like it's, it's, it's in a casino. It's based in a casino. David Harbour's like the muscle. Not Sleepless. It might be Sleepless. Yeah, sleepless. It was sleepless. Yeah, seeing that. Okay, yeah, because um, I'm he was in um, yeah, da- was yeah in David a- Harbour. Yeah, David Harbour's in Sleepless. Yeah, here he is. Yeah, yeah, and he was in um, he was in Quantum of Solace, the Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been he's been a bunch of stuff, and he and he's enjoyed a bit of a uh, I won't even say a comeback because I mean he was just sort of a working character act for a while. He got the job in Stranger Things, and that really lifted him up a level. He's um, he's in Black Widow, playing a superhero in Black Widow, like a Russian he is. superhero. Yeah, yeah, which is, is too, you know, yeah. if we ever get to see that, which, I don't know, eventually. Uh, but I liked him a lot in this because he he, always, he strikes me as an actor who, he doesn't really cruise. He, he he gives it his all and he really goes for it in this. I mean, there's a lot of funny voice work, a lot of energy to his performance. I, I, I liked what he did a lot. So a good addition, a good way to start the season. And the story was... Um, you know, an entertaining one. You know, always a riff on undercover bosses is you know really a really a bad move. Like I said, some good jokes. Um, but there were a few things that we wanted to talk about um, when it came to this episode, and they were mainly voice related. Yes. Yeah, so first of all, we had the the new voice of Carl, and mm. now pronounce his name for me. I don't want to get it wrong again. I I did my homework before we started recording. Alex Desire. Desaire, okay. So Alex Desaire, I know him yes. as the blind guy from Becca. <laughs> I know him as one of uh, John Favreau and Vince Vaughn's friends in Swingers. Yes, that's right. You mentioned that. So I am going to be honest. So I'm watching the episode. I completely forgot that they'd replaced the voice of Carl. And it wasn't until he'd said, he'd been in like maybe two or three scenes, and I went, sounds a little bit different. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, it's the new voice. I thought he was very serviceable. It's not nowhere near the same. It's nowhere near the same, but I no. think it is perfectly fine. I think it it's not jarring at all. I mean, it, no. it's certainly noticeable, but not to the point where you go, uh, why did you replace classic Coke with new Coke or anything like that? It's, 
I think he would not want to do an exact impersonation. Pardon a me, couple sorry. of times where I, f- a couple of times I feel like he was kind of trying to. Yeah, well, I think you've got to sort of maintain yeah. continuity. I think you know you can't do it completely different, but you have to sort of put your own stamp on things. I think you have. I mean, there's been yeah a fair bit of controversy or controversy about you know changing voices and being sort of faithful to the uh, to the characters as they appear on screen. Now, what this has proven to me really is that a lot of people will always be in an uproar when they replace characters, replace voices, and things like that. But if they are able to maintain writing quality, the Simpsons can live on for as long as they want it to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There will always be people out there who can do the voices of the characters. But I think Mr. Desire sort of uh, made it clear, yes, as a different, as a different person uh, voicing Carl now, the character's not much different, but there's, you know, a slight point of differentiation. But otherwise, yeah, as, as you said, perfectly serviceable, not bad at all. I know that sounds like we're damning with faint praise, but I mean, you know, Carl's a supporting character. He's not going to be there all the time and... Uh, yeah, hearing him do this, like, oh yeah, a welcome addition to the to the uh, to the lineup. The thing is, do you feel like because I'm I'm certain, and we even had our guest on the show a few weeks back, Jaden. There are mm. people out there who can do, in my opinion, a better impersonation of Carl, the voice. Do you think they chose Alex, not entirely, but based on the fact that at least he's a name that people know? Do you think when they wanted articles written about it and it to be talked about that they wanted the person's to be someone that the, the, the not that not everyone's going to know who he is, but most people out there who are followers of TV and whatnot and comedy will know who Alex is or will have seen him in something. Do you think they yeah. would have preferred to have had a name take the position? Yes, I think it. Um, it wasn't. The, it wasn't the sole reason, but it was just a preference. I think it indicates that um, we're taking this whole change over things seriously. We've hired someone who has actual credits. I, I, I say this with all due respect to um, to Jaden, uh, who, whose voice work is fantastic. But I think they're sort of saying with this, you know, we, we, um, we're bringing on a someone with you know, a, a, a decent list of credits. It's someone they know and someone they trust. I would say so, yeah. Yeah, because if, if you're just going to hire some random, very good impersonator... You don't know what they've done in their past. You don't know if you can trust them to not do stupid shit. So, yeah, I think I think going with a name that people know, a name that they're, someone who they know themselves personally, I think it's just the safest option for them. But, yes, he did a very fine job. I also wanted to mention Julie Kavner. I want to pose yes. this question to you. Could they ever replace Julie? I think the short answer is no, but I think it's going to have to be a point in time where Julie has to step down. And that pains me to say but it's painful to hear her speak now. It's not good. It, it did sound like she was stretching. Julie Kavner's voice in real life does sound, uh, you know, a bit Marge-ish, but, you know, you can tell when she's putting on the Marge voice. There's a, there, is a, there is a difference there. Uh, listening to Marge speak in this episode, it sounded like that sounds more like Julie Kavner than, Marge, than Julie Kavner as Marge Simpson. Yeah, you know, she was she was trying to do Marge, and it's like, oh yeah, you're that sounds rough, or that sounds like you're. You can almost hear the vocal cords kind of straining and stretching. I feel like if you, I feel like if you got a clip of somebody right miming who you don't know miming the the, the lines from this episode that Marge was saying, and it put it over the top, people would go, oh, that's a terrible impersonation of Marge. You're you're shit. Because I feel like I, I actually what I did was I 
went and got an episode, the, the one that we just uh, reviewed for this mm-hmm. episode, and played it straight after the episode 32, side by side, one after each other. And it, it's just so different. It is so, so different. She sounds unwell. And I'm, who am I to say she should retire? That's not my choice. That's her choice. But if I was Fox, I'd be saying, look, Julie... Mm. We I'm, might need to. We might need you to perhaps move on. But they could, you know, maybe they could offer her a deal where she still gets, you know, royalties because she's been, you know, holding the show up for the last thirty-two years. You know, she still gets a cut from the from the Marge royalties. But still, uncomfortable is not the word. But I, I, was, I was listening to it, going, "Oh, this is just taking me out of the moment." It yeah, it did feel that way to me as well. Yeah, but look, one would assume that Julie Kavanagh would have thirty-two years worth of not just payment but residuals. Of of hmm. Simpsons episodes, so yeah, I mean, one would assume that she's comfortable. I, don't, I mean, I'm not 100 percent up on the on the finer points of the uh, Simpsons cast contracts, but uh, yeah, look, if I was the guys at Fox or Simpsons Incorporated or whatever, I would probably be yeah thinking about a transition plan or a succession plan or something along those lines. The problem is though, is that the Simpsons cast, the main family cast, they're such a tight knit family. You know, they've all been there since the beginning. They've been imagine working with people for thirty years. So if Fox come out and said, "Hey, Julie, we want to move you on," the other cast members are going to cause an uproar. I'm I'm pretty sure people like Harry would just be like, "I'm out." You know what I mean? Because Harry almost quit five years ago due to payment disputes. I mean, he 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 seems like the type of person who doesn't need the job anymore. He does it because you know it's an yeah. easy job. You know what I mean? You've got you've got one of the best gigs in the world. Vo- voicing the Simpsons character is one of the best gigs in the world, in my opinion. You can voice it from home. It's you have to leave your house, you're getting paid all this money. But they need to maybe just say to Julie, look, any chance you might consider passing the torch? Oh, look, I mean, they'd, they'd have to have something like this in mind. I mean, I'm not sure how old Dan and Julie and even Yardley is. Who can tell? I mean, maybe she just had an off week. Let's wait till the next episode. Maybe uh, she'll sound a bit different. Nah, because I watched episodes from last season too. It's, it was the same. It's just getting oh, worse. Okay. Oh, okay then. Hmm. In that case... Hmm, yeah, let's uh, let's think about some transition, folks. I'm sh- and I'm sure they must be thinking about that. But uh, but the episode as a whole, though, go out and check it out. If you get access to it, go find it, because it was um, really enjoyable. I always like seeing Mr. Burns, not the, the tyrant, being being more of Mr. Nice mm. Guy. And um, yeah, we get plenty of that in this episode. It's a very fun story. A lot of parodies. Yeah, like a Terminator 2 parody and Iron Man parodies. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Like I said, David Harbour's also, also good in his role. He is. All right, Mr. Davis, next week we are going to be reviewing the episode titled Skinner's Sense of Snow. It's a Christmas episode where the school kids get snowed in to the school with Skinner. It's a a whole lot of fun, if I remember correctly, so I'm looking forward to reviewing that one. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to our review here of The Great Money Cape. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, Let us know what you think of the episode as well in the comments section. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FullFingerPod. Follow us on Instagram at Four Figure Discount and like us on Facebook. Also, rate and review us in the iTunes store. If you could leave a review and a five stars, that would be much appreciated. But yes, next week, Skinner Sense of Snow. Looking forward to that one. But for now, Mr. Davis, you have no final words for the listeners because I believe, Elliot, do you have any final words for the listeners? Adverse. Shh.